traveling is is the best thing in the world, I think. It's never a waste of money. It's never a waste of time. You'll always learn something from it. Even if it's not perfect, you're probably going to come away with at least one good friend. You're listening to Teach Abroad Pod, the travel podcast by traveling teachers for traveling teachers. We're your hosts, Allison and Nicola, and this week we're talking to Karen. Karen is a travel blogger and freelance writer based in Edinburgh, Scotland. She's lived in six countries and sailed the seven seas, entertaining on cruise ships for 13 years. You can read more about Karen on her website, cruiseshipkaren.com. Today, she's going to be telling us about teaching in Naples, Italy, teaching English in Edinburgh, and about opportunities to travel on cruise ships. Let's get started. Karen, where in the world are you and how did you get there? Well, um, Nicola, today I am in Tahiti, I'm in Papiete, in Tahiti, in French Polynesia, and I got here with a cruise ship. That is so cool. <laughs> okay, tell us about Polynesia, and then we'll get into the teaching part, but oh my gosh, how cool is that? Um, uh, I love French Polynesia. It's one of my absolute favorite parts of the whole wide world. Uh, the islands here are stunning. Uh, I love them so much. I went on honeymoon in Bora Bora at the start of the year. Um, I'm here with a, um, a cruise ship because I worked on ships for many years, for 13 years, um, teaching English in between. Um, right now, I'm not working on the ship. I'm working um, not for the ship, but on the ship writing. And I'm sailing with my husband, who's the musical director. So that's why I'm here with the ship. That's so cool. So where did you teach abroad? Um, I taught in Italy. Um, and I taught um, in a place called Caivano, which is just um, north of Naples. Uh, so in the south of Italy. And um, yeah, I loved it. I loved the experience of, of living in Italy, um, the people, the culture, the food. Um, it, was, it was really interesting. Yeah. So how did you find that job in Italy? Did you use an agency? Did you go on your own? Um, I did a, a teaching English as a foreign language course through a company called Eye to Eye International. And the, the course I did was partly online and partly in person. And I did the everything that they had, basically. I did the whole the, the general course, which would have you qualified. But um, I also did extra modules in grammar, in teaching business English, teaching one-to-one, teaching small groups, teaching uh, large groups, teaching with low res- resources. Any extra option of extra modules that I could add on, I did. And the, the course was very good. And they had a, a sort of opportunities board with it where different schools around the world would connect with the, with the company with the course, and they would advertise jobs to teachers who've obviously just got um, gotten themselves qualified. So I decided I wanted to teach in Italy. So I applied for jobs in Italy through that. That's awesome. So how did you end up deciding on Naples in Italy? Was it just kind of where you ended up getting a job or was that your first choice location? It wasn't actually my first choice location. I, I initially... I wanted to go to Rome or Florence, um, but there weren't any jobs available there at the time. So I applied for four others, um, one in Genoa, one in Messina in Sicily, uh, one in Brindisi on the East Coast and one in Naples. 
actually was offered all four of the jobs, but the the one that I took was the one in, in Naples because I just had a really good feeling about the, the school's owner, Emma Bottiglieri, and this was for the British Centre in Caivano. Uh, she just seemed really nice. We hit it off straight away when we had um, a Skype interview and um, she got a good feeling about me. And so that's why I went with that one. And that's why she went with me, even though I was new and she had more experienced teachers had applied for it. But um, we just liked each other and we ended up becoming great friends and we worked very well together. So that's why I went with Naples. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that is really important to have a good connection with the people you'll be spending all day with. So what were you thinking the day before you left home and then the day you arrived in Italy? I wasn't too nervous because I'd already lived abroad by myself a few times before that. I'd worked in in Paris, I mean, Disneyland in Paris in France. I went uh, for a summer. I went backpacking around the USA for six months. And I worked in Spain for two six-month seasons and worked on cruise ships for two and a half years uh, before that. So going to a new place wasn't scary. It was more... It was more exciting for me. I was looking forward to going to a new place and getting really stuck into the culture there. And the reason I applied for jobs in Italy was because I wanted to learn Italian. I already knew French and Spanish from that I learned from living there. And so I really wanted to learn Italian. So I was I was just excited to get stuck into the spirit of the, the place. That's awesome. So did you learn Italian? Sì, certo. Sì, io parlo italiano. Wow, that's so cool. I know that's like been a very difficult thing for me because I haven't stayed anywhere very long, like a few weeks, a month maybe. And I always all learn like two sentences and then rely on those heavily, like <laughs> saying just thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a good start though. That's always important. <laughs> if you can be polite, then you already have friends everywhere. So what was life like as a teacher in Italy? Like tell me about your students, what kind of lessons you taught, your hours. My the main part that main part of my job there was to teach high-level pilots in the Italian Air Force um, at a military base in Grazzanise. This was kind of scary um, because I had 10 students that I taught one-to-one. These were all high-level pilots. They were between 25 and 35 years old. And this, this was a few years ago, and they were going to be sent out to Afghanistan to war three months later. And um, they were helicopter pilots. And the, the language that they would have to use when they were out in Afghanistan was English. And they all had kind of quite basic pre-intermediate level. And I had to get them in three months, get them to an upper intermediate level. And they had to pass British Centre exams proving this because their, their missions would be in English. So if they couldn't speak good enough English, it, their safety and safety of others would depend on it. So it was kind of a little bit of pressure, but they were wonderful and they were very dedicated. They worked really hard and they, they all did very well in the end. I was very proud of them. So I taught them every uh, Monday, Monday to Friday, uh, weekday mornings from nine till one. That was the, the kind of main bulk of my students. And then I also had an evening class every Thursday night uh, from seven till nine. And that was in a local college in the evening. These were adults that were professionals, such as doctors, dentists, lawyers, things like that. And they just they were there because they just wanted to improve their English. They were interesting, educated people that wanted to uh, raise their level. And they, they were around intermediate level, uh, most of them, and some of them sort of up that while they were there. And they were very nice people. And then the, the other part that I had, I had a class with teenagers. Initially, this was, this was the one sort of demographic 
that I didn't really want to teach, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I had wanted to get into English teaching to teach young children who were, you know, shiny new little sponges ready to learn everything and excited, or adults who had chosen to learn to come back to do this, to improve themselves. And I'm a, uh, a big fan of ongoing education. And so that was what I initially thought I wanted. But my class with the teenagers actually ended up being my favorite. They were absolutely wonderful. I taught them every Wednesday afternoon. It was an intensive class from 2 p.m. till 5 p.m. And I had two different classes that would rotate one week, would be a class of 15-year-olds that were kind of pre-intermediate level. And the next week was a class of 17-year-olds who were kind of intermediate to upper intermediate level. Um, now, these kids, they didn't have to come to this class. They'd signed up for this out of their, their own initiative, and there was actually a waiting list for it. So all the teenager, teenagers that were there were very motivated and dedicated, and they were absolutely wonderful. They basically wanted to improve their English so that they would improve their options in, in life as they sort of near the end of their teenage years. Some of them wanted to study in English in universities abroad. Some of them wanted to travel or to work abroad. And they thought if they could get their English to a very high level, this would improve their chances to do all of this. The other reason is um, Naples, <laughs> you might have heard the nowadays the, the biggest, the biggest um, mafia in in Italy isn't in Sicily anymore. It's not the Godfather anymore. It's not the old town of Corleone. Um, it's probably Naples. There's a, a very high um, crime. Oh wow! Yeah, a very high crime presence, and it's it's sort of society is is quite infiltrated in it. You don't see anything unless you're part of a part of it. But if you live there, the longer you live there, you kind of hear things, and so. Um, I'm assuming people who grew up there, they've heard more things. And so they wanted they wanted more options and they wanted to to be able to have a way to to travel and see different things and do different things. Tourists are very, very safe. People, foreigners working there are very, very safe. You don't see anything. Um, I was there uh, for over three months and I didn't see anything bad at all and I didn't hear anything and but it was kind of by the end of the three months people knew me a little more and they told me oh this place isn't really just a coffee shop deals happen here little little things like that but I still never saw anything but it it is underlying it's, it's under the surface there and so that's why the kids wanted to make sure that they didn't want to ever be dragged into anything like that and their families didn't want they, their families weren't involved and they didn't want to be. So this was, I think this was just honorable on the kids' part that they, they wanted to, to open up their options. Were any of the programs you worked with, did they provide your curriculum or were you making all your own lessons and doing it all on your own? Like how were you planning the content for these kids and the pilots? It was different for each class. Uh, the pilots were on a set curriculum because they had to do British Centre exams. So they had to work towards specific qualifications. So they had more follow, we had to follow the curriculum, follow the books for that. But I'd add in extra things to make it more interesting and especially um, with, with conversational work um, and add in extra grammar. And for them as well, because they were pilots, I had to add in extra things for them because they had to learn technical language about English. They had to learn words about, about helicopters and army terms, which some of them I had to look up. I had no idea about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you 
call this part of a helicopter in English or Italian. So things like that. Um, so, yeah. so that was interesting. Um, but then also to make it, to keep it interesting for them because they were young guys, you know, I'd put in extra parts um, here and there for and anything that was talking about um, that they were doing for oral exams, for example, they, I got them all to choose their own subject based on things that they were personally interested in. Um, one of the pilots is, is a keen gardener. And so he taught in, in his sort of oral exam at the end, he, he did um, a piece, he, t- he talked about his garden and what he grows and talking about crop rotation and the fact that he likes to eat organically and he changes the crops uh, throughout the year and things like this. So this was his hobby and his passion. Another student loved U2, the band, and so he talked about the band and how they became famous and how their um, their influence has ri- risen over the years and talked about a few of their most famous songs and why he thinks they were popular. So they all had different interests. So I managed to, to fit in um, some parts that would let their personality shine as well to help them get really interested in what they were doing. So it wasn't all just, you know, military terms and work and war and, you know, sad stuff, really to make the language more alive. Absolutely. Well, that's great that you were able to tie it into things that they were interested in, because I think that's the best way to help anyone learn anything is make it relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the evening class I had with the adults, they, they were professionals, doctors, dentists, lawyers. They weren't going towards any exam. They didn't have a specific goal. They just generally wanted to improve their English. So their class I, I tailored for them specifically, um, got to know them personally as much as I could finding out you know what all of their um, their jobs were what all of their interests were and their their mainly their reason behind wanting to improve their English what the purpose was for Um, one lady wanted to learn more so when she went on vacation she could talk to people more Um, another lady really liked reading Uh, someone else was a big film buff and one of the the lawyers wanted to do it so he could use it for work more and so basically t- tailored their class more to their interests and their reasons because they weren't going towards exams. So there was more freedom in the content with them. That must have been a lot of fun. It was. It was It was really good. And they were very interesting people and they were very, very keen to learn. And they taught me a lot of things as well um, about the area and things like that. One of the, the ladies I remember was a, a big fan of the, the islands that are next to Naples. There's um, Capri, Ischia and Procida. And Capri is, you know, the, the glitzy one that everyone's heard of. Ischia is a bit lesser known, but it's very nice as well. And Procida is this tiny little one that um, I'd never even heard of before she told me about it <laughs> and um so her her main talk was about that it's it's this beautiful little place and so helping her learn all the vocabulary and improve her grammar enough to really speak about a place she had such passion for that you know that unlocked her ability to learn even faster because she had such an interest in it so they were they were lovely the class they had with the teenagers, um, they were going towards exams in high school, um, but some of them were going towards higher level than others. And so they were they were doing general English in high school, their, their general exams. And so part of their, their work, a lot of their work had to be curriculum based. And a few of them were going on to, to work on IELTS because they wanted to study at university. So they had a slightly different program, again, 
but then I made sure there was also fun stuff in there that was interesting for everybody that wasn't too heavy going to make sure that that would keep their interests as well and keep their find out what their personalities liked. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you have any particular moments with the teenagers that were like your, your favorite teaching story or your favorite kind of unexpected teaching moment since you weren't thinking you would want to work with teenagers? Well, they were wonderful when I was there, but probably the thing that was the most special was after I'd left, I actually, I went back to working on cruise ships after I'd worked there. I'd, I'd lived in Italy, been there for a few months and I loved it, but I missed ships and I ended up coming back. And a year later, I was on a cruise ship that docked in Naples and I'd kept in touch with the the teachers that I worked with, that I was friends with. And some of my students were on my Facebook then. And so sort of they'd been in the, in the background here and there. Um, and I'd arranged to go and visit um, the teachers that I'd worked with in Naples. So my my old boss, Emma, the, the school owner at the British Centre, she, she came to pick me up. As far as I knew, we were going to Caivano and me, her and a couple of the other teachers were going to have lunch in this little place called Fratelli La Bufala, which means Brotherhood of Buffalo, um, because they have buffaloes there and a lot of their menu, buffalo meat or cheese or buffalo mozzarella, of course. So I thought we were going there and uh, we were going to have a nice lunch with the teachers. And then um, we got there and we'd always sat in the same table downstairs and there's two levels. And um, Emma said, oh, let, let's go upstairs today. I said, oh, OK, cool. And we walk upstairs and we got up on this mezzanine area and I walk up there and all of my students were there. <gasps> oh, my god! It was amazing. All my teenagers um, from both classes. And it had been their idea um, because one of them had seen, I think I'd, I'd, they'd or they'd heard that I was coming. And the, the kids said, can, can we have a pizza party for Karen? We want to see her. Oh and so the kids gosh. organized. So they were all a year older. The 15-year-olds were 16 and the 17-year-olds were 18. And the, the older ones weren't even in school anymore, but they'd all contacted each other. And they'd arranged this big party for me. And we all had pizza together and we hung out and we laughed. And it was really, really lovely to see a bunch of teenagers wanted to do that. And it was a year yeah. later. It was really, really special. That was that was amazing. And that was another reason that I, I hadn't expected to love teaching teenagers as much as that. But at that age, it's, I remember, you know, what I was like at that age. Everything is, is up in the air and you don't really know who you are yet. You're, just, you're figuring that out. You don't know what direction you want to go in. And if, if you can help people sort of figure out who they are and be happy with who they are, and help them pursue their dreams a little bit, then that's amazing. And that's that's what these kids were like. They were wonderful. So yeah, probably that. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I can't imagine like how exciting that must have been for you and for them to like see them for the first time in so long. That is awesome. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. So what was your life like in Italy outside of school? It sounds like you had this really cool teaching stuff going on, but then like when you weren't teaching, what did you do? Where did you live? What was life like in Naples? Naples was kind of crazy. It's it's very old fashioned. <laughs> um, the south of Italy is quite old fashioned. Um, it's kind of like it's you're living in the 1950s with all the good things and a couple of the not so good things that come with that. I love the fact that the the town of Caivano it's like um, a suburb of Naples, so it's a separate town, but it's still 
it's so big and sprawling that all the times sort of link into each other almost until they're um but they they don't have they don't do like giant supermarkets and places the the bread shop is where you get your bread the butchers is where you get your meat the vegetables gets brought in twice a week every tuesday and thursday from the local farmer he brings his cart and the vegetables are whatever he dug up from the ground that morning <laughs> and that's it um so it was it was really great i loved that the way that um, it was kind of sort of simpler time people look after each other a lot it's very family orientated and the food's amazing people take time to have lunch together and spend time on each other um, which which was wonderful uh, getting around was was a bit tricky because well I I didn't drive and to be honest even if I did I wouldn't do that in Naples it's kind of crazy driving a lot of people that I met who lived there uh, for example have two cars one car is for going out of the city in the country going on lovely day trips along the Amalfi coast or to Herculaneum or Pompeii or things like this and then the other car is the beat up old car um, that they use for driving around the city oh my gosh (laughs) it's very busy so I took public transport everywhere um, which wasn't as convenient but it worked it made it work so where did you how did you find your house or your apartment while you were there the apartment came as part of the the job um, it came in part of the package um, it was basically a certain amount of pay working a certain amount of hours and then with that I got the apartment and all the bills paid on it rent paid plus um, electricity and gas and everything paid um, so it was a two-bedroom apartment that um, was actually just across the street from the school. So it was very convenient. And I shared it with another teacher who worked there. Um, she was a, a girl from England, and she'd already been living in Italy for three years then. She was very nice. Uh, we got on really well. And she already spoke Italian very well, so she helped me learn a lot. Um, and our apartment was in the middle of a large family home. It was kind of like the, the granny flat that they'd had for the grandparents, um, and they decided to rent it out. So the family that owned it, they lived above us and below us, um, and there was a small corridor that we had a door that closed from our kitchen that went into their staircase to go up and down the mm-hmm. stairs. So it was it was really nice. It was, it was very old-fashioned Naples. It was... Very, very Catholic. There was a lot of uh, effigies in every room, very kind of sparse. But it, it was like a Neapolitan grandmother's flat, and that's what it was. But it had everything we needed, and it was big enough, and it was it was well located. And, yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, my flatmate Susan was lovely. We get on very well. And so that was all. It was great that that was provided for. That made it very easy. And it also meant you instantly had a friend that you were staying with as well. So you've traveled a lot outside of just teaching abroad, like you've been on ships, you've traveled independently. What are some of the benefits, do you think, of like traveling and working abroad and kind of taking the plunge into this lifestyle? There's there's so many benefits to it. I, I really can't recommend it enough to to everybody. I think that teaching English as a foreign language is one of the best ways that you can do it. You can travel, you can see places. Working on ships is another really good one. You travel, you see places. The benefits of traveling in general, but working abroad in, in any capacity is 
is different because you get to know the culture more. You get to know the people know more. You can learn the language. I speak five languages now because I made an effort to learn them while living in other countries. And that's, it would have been a lot, I mean, I'm not saying it would have been impossible doing that, staying in an English speaking country, but it made it, you have a lot more incentive to learn if you're in another country for a decent amount of time. You know, every situation you're in is a, a reason for you to learn their language. So while you're teaching English, I find that that also inspires me to learn another language because then you're, you're teaching them your language and you can learn theirs at the same time. You just learn a lot about yourself traveling. You become a lot tougher. Traveling is, is the best thing in the world, I think. It's never a waste of money. It's never a waste of time. You'll always learn something from it, even if you don't like summer, even if it doesn't end up being perfect. You still learn lessons from it. Even if it's not perfect, you're probably going to come away with at least one good friend. And it's, I just, I think it's really wonderful for, for anybody and everybody. So what's your biggest piece of advice for someone who's looking to follow in your footsteps? About Naples or just generally all this traveling stuff? Ooh, okay, let's do a, a Naples one and then maybe a cruise ship one because I love cruise ships and I'm, I'm curious about that. <laughs> Self-serving. Okay, that was fine. Uh, for both, I would say just do it. Jump in. Don't be scared. Uh, there's no point. Life is too short for that. One tip I would say that I've always, always done is um, I've always had jobs that have never necessarily been the greatest paid, but I'm, I always be a little bit careful and have a backup. So I've always got savings there so that if I ever hate what I'm doing, I can always jump on a plane and fly home. And knowing that you have a backup like that, I think that's really useful. Because of the worst, the worst thing that can happen is you don't like it. Okay, you go to the airport, you fly home, you're home in a day. You know, don't be scared. Yeah. It's a silly reason to, to not try something because you think, oh, it's going to be difficult. It's not. It's wonderful. For Naples, I would say my biggest piece of advice is uh, Naples is tough. It's a, she's a tough mistress. Naples <laughs> is harsh at first. And, and she takes a while to, to grow on you. It took a while to grow on me. Uh, the first month, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay. I was like, no, I don't think so. Because the, the bad side with the old-fashioned uh, mentality is it's quite chauvinistic. And women going around anywhere on their own are treated differently. And people can be not as welcoming to foreigners or just strangers um, if you don't have an in. But Neapolitans are some of the friendliest people that I've ever, ever met. Um, once you're a friend, you're not just a friend. You're not just an acquaintance. You're not just a teacher at the school. You're instantly family. And everyone invites you everywhere. And my my best advice for that is if you get invited, if you go to Naples or Italy, um, even anywhere, if you get invited anywhere with locals, say yes. Take every single invitation you're given to go to dinners and lunches. There's a lot of food in Naples. It all <laughs> it all kind of centers around that. But just go to everything, and you might think, oh, but they'll be speaking Italian. I won't understand. You won't understand everything, but there's probably someone there who does speak English who'll help you. And the more you do things like that, you'll kind of start picking up things naturally because you'll know a few more, you know, if you study as well and make an effort, you learn a few more words every day. And then as you're hearing people talking every day, you'll understand a few more words and the context will make it obvious what's going on as well. 
Um, so, so give it a chance. Don't don't just run away at the first sign of something being different or scary. Give it give it at least a month, and then and and make friends. Spend time with local people. That's the best way anywhere to get to know the country, um, because you'll see how what the mentality is like, what people are interested in, what the food's like, where people go, what their hobbies are, and it's it's wonderful. It really is the best most rich experience I think basically when I was in Naples that was um, a few years ago and it felt kind of like you were in the 1950s but now it might feel like you're in the 60s or 70s <laughs> but it, <laughs> it might not be quite 2018 yet but internet is there so hey that's all you need really so just let it all in and enjoy it and make the most of it so for cruise ships the best piece of advice I would give on that is the same thing is just do it. Um, I would highly recommend anybody who doesn't have ties that they have to stay at home in one place to do a contract on a cruise ship at least once. Go and try it. It's a wonderful way to travel um, because you get to see a lot of different places within a very short space of time. You're getting paid to see the world. And they actually, some cruise lines employ English teachers to teach English as a foreign language. So you could combine the two things together. Wait, that is really cool. I have not heard of that before. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what? who are you teaching English to? I haven't done that job on a ship, but um, some companies do, not all of them. But I know at the moment, Princess Cruises still does it. I believe Royal Caribbean still do it. And um, you're teaching English to the crew. That's a job because crew should have a certain level of English before they're employed. But certain, um, a lot of people that work on cruise ships um, are from Indonesia or the Philippines. And especially a lot of the crew from um, the Phil- uh, sorry, Indonesia, they don't always have perfect English. And so sometimes the jobs that people are employed for, if it's not a customer facing job, if it's working in the kitchens or um, cleaning or something like that, where you don't really have, you're not going to talk to the guests. If you're talking to the guests and you're customer facing, the, the standards are, are very, very high straight off the bat. Otherwise, you won't be employed. But certain companies, if you're doing a non-customer facing job, then they'll, you, you still have to, they would still have to have at least, you know, intermediate uh, level, but they employ English teachers to get this level higher and improve it while, while the crew are actually on board. And so I know that those two, two companies do that. I know Princess definitely still does it because I have a friend who does that there. And so in that way, you could, you could cruise and teach English to crew members. And so it would be probably intermediate level upwards. And it would be a lot of mostly talking, but also writing to improve that level, um, everything, sort of every aspect of it. And sometimes they'll have the the crew members going towards exams and having to pass exams within a certain amount of time of being there. Um, And sometimes it's just to generally improve because they want to get to a very high level, um, which is, which is good as well. So it's a good way to tie the two things together. That's really cool. I've never heard of that. So Karen, you do a little bit of everything now. Um, Can you tell us a bit about what you're doing now and then what plans you have for the future? I have worked on cruise ships for 13 years overall um, since 2005 and I did that for two and a half years and then I thought no more ships I want to go to land I want to teach English so I did my course and then um, 
I taught in Naples, um, which is what I've been talking about today. And then when I came back from there, I taught English in Edinburgh, in Scotland, where I'm from. And I taught at a summer school there for um, the Edinburgh School of English. And I liked that. that I liked both things, but I missed ships. So I came back. The first, my first five years on ships overall, I was doing the entertainment management side of things. I started off as a host, then I was assistant cruise director, then a cruise director. And then um, I studied music at university. I have a, a degree in applied music and music performance. And so then I turned that around to be singing. And so I've been a vocalist on ships for the past eight years. The first two, I had my own band and I was, we worked as the party band or the jazz band or the ballroom band on different companies where our agent put us. And then for the past um, six years, I've worked uh, for Holland America as the show band singer um, with the, the ship's orchestra. My job actually just was, it was cut from the company. It's getting rid of it gradually for a couple of years. And so I was the very last one standing out of about 30 singers. And so that finished three months ago. But since the start of the year, um, I've been making my own travel website, which is called cruiseshipcaring.com because that's kind of me and um, it's all about traveling by cruise ship um, and it's one of the big reasons to do it is to have information for crew members because there's not that much out there that's directly there to help give crew members information on what to do when you're in port if they haven't been there there's not that much out there on any cruise line that I've worked for too much to have a lot of good info so I decided to put my 13 years of experience on ships to use and um, I'm gradually writing port guides for every single port around the world that I've been to, which is over 200. So it's going to take a while. <laughs> and um, I'm also writing uh, articles, blog, like blog articles on anything that happens that I think is interesting and worth an article that someone might want to, to read about or learn about with inf- information and tips. Um, and I also make vlogs. I make port guide videos that I've been doing since last summer. And so I have about 100 of them now on my website and YouTube channel. And so that's their kind of like 10 minute or less guides to each port. So if someone is cruising as a guest or a crew member, they can watch this or read about it or read the port guide to find out what to what to do there and what to expect. And um, I give information that's independent. It's just it's my my opinions. This is something, things that I've done that I think other people might like. And I have um, specific things for crew. Like if you have two hours off, what can you do? Where's the free Wi-Fi? That's what everybody always wants to know. And like what, what the main things are everywhere. And so um, I'm writing, I was doing that part-time since the start of the year while I was singing as well. And as soon as my singing job finished, um, I've been on site and freelance writing full-time um, and so I've been writing for some other travel websites. I've been writing for uh, some magazines like Postcards Magazine, Astor Worldwide Destination Guide, and um, National Geographic Traveler in the UK. I worked for them for a month um, in all of August. I was there um, in London and I wrote 14 articles for them and they were all gradually coming out. So a few are out, half of them are out already. And then the next are coming out over the next couple of months. So I'm hoping all of this will help kind of raise my profile to to get more higher level uh, freelancing writing work and also give me a bit more exposure for the website. And my plan now is to have both of these things together be my be my new job and my new career. So use all the travel 
to help people. That's amazing. I, I'm so into that. I, I love cruising and you're right. There's not, it's hard to find that kind of like specific information about the port guides from someone who's independent, not working for yeah. the cruise line. Sometimes you just want that like local perspective of someone who's been there and scoped it out. So I will be using your site next time I cruise. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so Karen, if you have a few more minutes, I know we've, we're almost out of time, but we have a listener question that you kind of touched on for a second. Is it possible to teach ESL in an English speaking country? Yes, it is. Um, it is. And I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, not all the time. Uh, it sounds like I'm about 100 when I keep throwing in all these things. They're all kind of interwoven in between each other. I, I'm, I don't waste time. I like to pack things in everywhere. So in between ship contracts, since I first started teaching English 10 years ago, I taught in a school in Edinburgh called the Edinburgh School of English. It's a private English school. And I started off teaching there at a summer school because they have uh, teenager, teenagers again, uh, like in Italy, but they come from all over the world, mostly from around Europe, and they come over for intensive courses during the school summer holidays and the Easter holidays, and they come for two or three weeks. They do intensive classes Monday to Friday mornings, then in the afternoons and the evenings, they do different social activities, and it has to be all in English, um, so they have activities um, hosts who take them places but one of the teachers will always go on every sort of event or activity to kind of just be there making sure that they don't just clump up in in groups of their own nationalities and, and start speaking their own language because uh, that kind of defeats the purpose of it being a an immer immersion experience but so they they do the summer schools for teenagers in the summer um, obviously and um, in the Easter holidays, um, but they're year round. It's an adult school uh, for adults who are coming over to improve their English. For normally, it's people who are doing it for work or they're doing IELTS exams. They want to study at university in English or they have to do it for a job. And so I teach there every time before I go home. I email them and I say, Hey, I'll be back this date to this date. Um, I'd love to come back and teach for you. If you need me, please let me know. And so whenever they're uh, they're busy enough or if someone's on vacation or if someone's sick or if they just have a lot of students, then they always get me in for at least a bit to teach. And I love doing that because it means that I can keep my experience current and because I, I love teaching English as a foreign language and it's something that I know I'll always come back to and it's something I know I always can come back to and it's something you can do in any country anywhere around the world I think it's a very useful skill to have you know it's a, it's a useful skill set to have that you can pull out of the bag anytime anywhere so if I if I ever needed a job straight away that's probably what I would do um, and I'll probably do it in some form it, it'll always be there somewhere or another but it's something that that you can do part-time or full-time and for me going back to the same school is great because they know me and I know them. They know that they can just call me, they can rely on me, they know that I know what to do and they don't have to train someone and for from my side I really like working there, it's a great place to work, everyone's very nice and um, it's just whenever I'm home whenever they need me, I go in. And so it's, it's beneficial for everybody. And if I ever want to teach English full time as my, my main job, I've got on my resume, the, you know, the most 
the furthest away time I've ever done it normally now is about six months ago rather than six years ago. It looks a lot better on the resume if I wanted to go back into it full time. Yeah, that's a great idea. And how did you find that job initially? Oh, I don't know, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was a while ago. I'd already done, I did the course with um, Eye to Eye and got the job in in Italy, teaching there. So when I came back, I basically looked up online, tried to find anywhere that was looking for English teachers in in Scotland um, nearby um, me. So I found that um, there was a website that was advertising. It was, I think it was through another teaching site. And I found out that they were looking for teachers for summer school. And so that's when I applied. And I'd already worked in Naples by then. So I already had experience with Um, teaching different ages and different levels and things. That was good. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share all of your experiences. We've gone like around the world, it feels like. (laughs) This is so cool. And so if someone wanted to find out more about you, more about what you're working on now with the cruise port guides, where should they look? Uh, Just go to my website. It's cruiseshipkaren.com and it's Karen with a K. So cruise ship then K-A-R-E-N. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. So lots of places. If you you go onto the website, an easy thing to do if you're interested at all, it asks if you want to subscribe to the newsletter. All you do is put your name and your email address and I send them out once a month. No nonsense, but I recap every single thing that I've uploaded to the site that month. So if there's anything you're interested in, you can click or if you're not, then you don't need to scroll through. It's nice and easy. And I use Instagram and Facebook to to sort of promote things whenever I add a new article or a new video on the site, then I'll post that on on the Facebook page um, and on Instagram. So feel free to follow me there and you'll keep updated with everything. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day in French Polynesia. Thank you very much. Enjoy and um, all the best to everybody and um, happy traveling, happy cruising, whatever you are. Have a good day. (laughs) 